Hello, hello, leading woman in tech. It is February tomorrow and it's Tony here and we're going to celebrate the start of February. <laughs> I feel like every month is a catalyst for new and exciting things that you can start fresh, ideas that you have. It is a moment to reset and reevaluate where you are and what you're doing. Yes, we do a lot of that in January. And if you've done the Sparkle Planning Challenge with me throughout January, hats off to you, by the way. I'm hoping that you are feeling like, boom, I'm going to hit this February running. But if you're at the end of January, if you listen to this the day the podcast lands, it's the last day of January, and you're thinking, oh my God, what do I do with February? I want you to take a deep breath and I want you to realize that the world is your oyster from the 1st of February. You could use that every single month of the year, every single first of the month. The world is now my oyster. What's happened has just got me to where I am today. It's taught me all the things I know. It's had a lot of failures and I've picked myself back up and I know stuff as a result of it. From the first of the month, I'm going to be even more extraordinary than I've ever been before. Imagine if you went through life like that. That's just my little opening, little nugget for you today. Try and view every first of the month as a new opportunity. Everything that's got you to where you are today is just good, useful stuff that just has set the ground for everything moving forward. It doesn't dictate who you are going to be moving forward. It's just laid the foundations. Okay, but on to today's podcast. <laughs> Today I have potentially a little bit of a controversial person on the show. This lady reached out to me and I thought, you know what, I wish I'd met her 10 years ago. I now have a stylist. Ooh, what are we talking about? I can hear you all going, what? This is the Leading Woman in Tech podcast, right? Yes, it is. Stick with me here. Last year, I hired a stylist. I'd lost a fair amount of weight and I needed a new wardrobe. And I was just like, I, I don't know what it means to be an executive coach. <laughs> so I decided to hire myself a stylist. I'm in a very lucky position to be able to do that. And that woman changed my life, quite frankly. I wish I'd met her when I was aiming to be a leader because I didn't know what to wear half the time. I had one jacket that I wore on stage for like seven or eight years because it was the only jacket I liked. <laughs> it just takes up so much of our brain space trying to figure out what to wear as women, women in leadership in particular. But then in addition, does what we wear as women matter? I wish it didn't, but I think it does. Some of the conversations I have in my academy are, what do I wear for interviews? Not that we have many in-person interviews these days, but every now and then this topic of conversation does come up. So when today's guest, Melanie Lipman, reached out to me, who wants to talk about how our personal brand and our image helps us as high-powered women in male-dominated fields, I was like, okay, this is a conversation I would like to have. So we had a good chat and I thought, let's bring this to the show. So stick with me today. There are some little nuggets in there that I think might open your eyes. If it's not for you, totally get that. <laughs> but I really hope that you will hear some of what she has to say and decide whether or not it's advice that is useful to you in your career, rather than judging just from the get-go. So without further ado, let me introduce a little bit more about Melanie. She is New York-based, but works with people worldwide. She is passionate about helping ambitious, high-powered women in male-dominated fields to use style to help communicate confidence. Who doesn't need a confidence boost without actually having to work at it? <laughs> just put on the right jacket and you feel more confident. Believe me, this actually does work. That was one of the things I learned early on in my career. Put that jacket on. I felt more confident on stage. It's kind of crazy. I've also seen firsthand how if you walk in to a conference, even to a hotel, wearing the right clothes, you get treated differently. And Melanie's view is this does help you build connections and achieve that next level career growth with basically minimal effort. Get the wardrobe sorted and the rest of it comes out. 
She's been a featured speaker for companies including Toyota, Charles Schwab and Pillsbury Law. And she's passionate about narrowing the gender wealth gap. I just adore that. (laughs) By helping women worldwide define their personal brand, making them more confident, memorable and respected as the leader they are. So without further ado, let's get Melanie onto the show. You're listening to the Leading Woman in Tech podcast, where we talk about real leadership and what this means for the world of tech, the techniques, tips, and strategies you can use to become a standout leader. I'm your host, Tony Collis, tech leadership coach, strategist, and coffee lover. And in each episode, I share my best insights designed to make your success not just simple, but inevitable. Whether you're on the way to the C-suite, an emerging leader, or a budding entrepreneur, This is the podcast you need to become a lit-up leader and turn your tech passion into a career you love. Welcome to the show, Melanie. It's really great to have you here. I'm so excited to be here, Tony. Okay, first up, I would love, as I always ask every guest, for you to tell me your story. How did you get to where you are today? Why do you do what you do? And why do you believe it's so important? Absolutely. So I grew up with what my clients all say they don't have, the fashion gene. So I grew up, my family owns an accessory store. I was obsessed with clothes, obsessed with fashion. And one thing that I learned from a really, really young age, about 10 years old, um, when a woman felt confident in what she was wearing, she can do anything. And when she didn't feel confident, she could make an excuse to just stay stuck Mm -hmm. and to not move on. So I saw that from a really young age, and I quickly became obsessed with fashion. Um, Went to, studied in high school, studied in college, and then went and worked corporately in the fashion industries for 10 years. And what a lot of people don't realize is the fashion industry is filled with men in suits and white hair who make all of these decisions about what women are wearing. Um, so I was very quickly promoted, was typically the youngest and only female in a room. And as someone who was obsessed with fashion and always knew when to, what to wear, I couldn't figure out what to wear <laughs> um, because I was so hyper-focused on looking the part and fitting in mm. and fitting into that mold. I lost myself and I went into debt. I spent so much money buying all the designer brands because I thought that's what it was expected of me. And it wasn't until I got a tap on the shoulder from the president of my company that was like, hey, I gave you your job so you could be you, not to go and try to be your the person that you replaced because I would replace uh, someone who was double my age and a man. And she's like, so can you start being you again? <laughs> and I was I literally like left that meeting and I said, well, who am I? Because I always molded myself off of what other people were doing and the accolades that someone gave me and what I, you know, what was expected of me. So it was really, really hard. So I very, very quickly, like, figured it out, um, went back to learning what flattered me and also what excited me and what made me feel confident. And I created my own formula so getting dressed could be easy. So even when I felt really, really intimidated in those situations, I just put these three things together and I knew that I was doing it right and I got into walk into any room conquering it. So I knew how I felt and I knew every single thing there was to be get about getting dressed. So that's when I hear from other women that they feel like they're bad at shopping or they have body image challenges or all of the things. I just knew I needed to share this secret with anyone that would listen so they can start feeling confident 
and really walk into any room feeling powerful and not let their clothes be the thing that's holding them back from achieving greatness. Yeah, it's such a beautiful story. And actually really resonates with me because I've had so many issues over the years with my body image and whether I deserve to dress in a certain way and all this. And I had to learn how to dress a certain way to get taken seriously, even though I never wanted to do that. But I know some of my listeners will be very resistant to this conversation. They quite rightly, I think, actually think that how we dress should have no bearing on a successful work. And so therefore, why are we having a conversation about how we dress professionally on a podcast about women in tech when women in tech are told to do all these different things anyway? This is another burden. What would you say to that? Welcome, because every single one of my clients kind of come to me kicking and screaming. (laughs) (laughs) I normally get the panicked email at about midnight after an event, after they went and went panic shocked and tortured themselves for basically about two weeks before a business trip or something that they're like, I just, I want this to not be hard anymore. And one of the biggest struggles is being a smart woman who could basically figure anything out. Like literally my clients could are the top of their field. So one of the biggest struggles is the fact that they can't figure out how to get dressed. Something that we all kind of learned not so greatly. <laughs> That's not really a word, but not so well when we were five years old, but still can't figure it out when you're in your 30s, 40s, or 50s. Like what is going on that you can't figure out how, what pair of pants to wear. So the first step is to just realize that it is important. Unfortunately, like as women, we are judged with a microscope more than men. Like men can say the wrong thing and get a pat on the back. But as women, we are real. There's a hyper focus on what we're doing just because we're different in a lot of the rooms that we're in. So it's really about taking the control back for those around you and for yourself. Because the worst thing is I hear clients so many times that they're taking themselves at unknowingly out of opportunities because they're not showing up as someone who should be given the opportunity or looks or is acting like they want that opportunity. They've already tapped themselves out before anyone asked them if this is something that they would be interested in doing. Yeah, I've actually seen that one firsthand. I've seen people turn down for jobs because of how they dressed at the job interview. Men and women, by the way. I've seen men turn up in the classic techie shorts and sandals and get turned down for the job because the interviewers were like, well, they're not taking this seriously enough. We can have a debate about how fair that is, but it happens. So I'd like to just dig into this a little bit more. How does the way we dress impact how seriously we get taken at work, our opportunities? Why does that happen, do you think? Because as humans, we're all taught to be lawyers. Like we all, there's that fight or flight, like you're going (laughs) to... you're going to be eaten or you're going to be the the person who's part of a community. And we are so like, we like to be accepted and we like to be part of a community. And it really is about that first impression. And pre-COVID, you know, seven seconds, you walk into a room, first impression. But now with the internet, it's three seconds. And we are so don't have enough time. Like time is the one thing that we just don't have enough of. So we very, very quickly make a judgment if this is a conversation that you want to stand around and be part of, or if you're going to move on and go and use your your five minutes, 10 minutes for something else that's more of a priority. So it's just so important to make sure that your clothes are sending a message that you want to be there, that you want to be part of the conversation, that you have a different opinion. Because if someone is like kind of sizing you up and it's like, oh, I know what she's going to say. 
<laughs> they just move on. It's very quickly. It's like, or they're just kind of like, they're thinking about so many other things in their mind besides the fact it's, you know, not just physically present, but, you know, mentally present as well, that someone is taking you seriously. And also just to speak to that, a lot of times what a lot of people don't realize is our clothes can negate what we are saying or what we're trying to accomplish. So if you're someone who is saying that you're innovative, that you're top of your field, but you're wearing clothes that are frumpy and dated, people are very quickly, they're not that saying that you're not credible, but in their mind, they're like, something doesn't jive here. Yeah. So if you are saying, you know what, like I know every single thing about technology and, you know, but you're dressing in a way that isn't aligned with that, they're going to be like, eh, something's off. And then they just start like discrediting everything that you have to say. So it's really Mm. making sure it's not a fashion show. It's just making sure that your wardrobe is aligned with your goals and also what you're working on at the moment. So people are taking you seriously because that's what we really are really want is people to take us seriously. I think you hit something really important there, which is people are just like, that's just something off. And they wouldn't even now be able to articulate what that thing was but you change somebody's wardrobe and it stops. I certainly noticed when I started doing a lot of public speaking and I started to dress differently. I was doing it myself at that point. Um, Very lucky now that this last year I've hired a stylist. It has changed my life. But I know that most people are not business owners and therefore aren't able to do that. But back, you know, five years ago when I started doing a lot of public speaking, I was trying to dress myself and spent a lot of, it was painful, it was very painful. But standing on that stage dressed in a suit, people took me more seriously. They wanted to listen to what I had to say. It's such a sad thing, but it's so true, right, at the same time. It's what people don't realize is that, I had a coach say this to me once, that people aren't going to take you seriously if you don't take yourself seriously. Yes. It's the same thing like shopping the sale rack. Like people aren't going to pay your high ticket price if you're buying the discount, you know, Passover's. And wearing that as your wardrobe. So it's really the first step is you taking yourself and your message seriously. And if you show up as that person, people are like, oh, she sounds like she knows what she's talking about. I might as well listen to her. As opposed to that meekness, which sometimes our clothes does toss, is like that, like, Mm. I don't know if I deserve to be here. People are going to, you know, eat you up and spit you out real Mm. quick. Well, so let's dig into why we resist this. Why do you think so many of us, myself included, for the longest time, actually took my husband pointing out that I needed to pay attention to my wardrobe, which breaks my heart, actually. He did it from a really loving place, but it was actually damaging my self-esteem to not do this. So why do you think many of us may start off not wanting to address how we dress? It's interesting you mentioned your husband because I would say half my clients, their husband is the one that says to them, hey, you're still wearing the blazer from when, from 10 years ago when you made a quarter of your salary, what's up? <laughs> like kind of, because they're the only one that kind of knows your spending habits. Mm-hmm. Or the other thing that happens is someone has been mistaken for their assistant or someone who has half their experience just because of how they're showing up. So that's, that that is something, sometimes it takes someone outside of us because we don't see our blind spots because we are resistant of it. And I think that 
as women or as anyone, like clothing is thought to be materialistic. It's that's one of the biggest internal struggles that my clients have is, am I vain because I care about the way that I'm dressing? Or is it like I have so many other things that I need to invest in. But if you just think about it, you're, you're spending so much money and so much time and energy, especially when you're at a specific point in your career in professional development. Like you probably, you know, if you own your own business, maybe you hired someone to help you with business development, or maybe you're working with a mindset coach, or maybe we, there's all, all different, you know, we all have our own little things that we need help with. And what most people don't realize is that whatever work you are doing, how much money you are investing in any of those coaches or in business development, you're actually negating so much of it because of the confidence, because that's what clothes do. It's not about what you're wearing. And this happens so much in my work with my clients is that when we unpack it, it really doesn't have anything to do with the clothes. Clothes are just the the byproduct. It has to do about the way that the clothes make you feel and what they're exuding out of you. And that's why hiring a personal shopper, that's why getting, you know, going on the internet and buying the same exact clothes that someone that looks chic or polished or whatever word that you're excited about, or that's why using a personal shopper or using a subscription box or whatever, you know, the fashion industry has given us to get us clothes keeps you stuck because they're a band-aid. They're not the root of the problem because someone as smart women, someone can't tell you what to do. It's like someone giving you their speech and saying, okay, this is the message you need to say, go say it. And you're not believing it. Like you're not going to say it with gumption. You're not going to be believable. That's why you, someone can't just hand you clothes and you could wear them with confidence. You need to tap into what makes you yourself feel confident because it's not a costume. It's, it's clothes are the skin that you get to choose. So it's yeah. really about you deciding how you want to show up. You deciding the message you want your clothes to send. You deciding that you are ready for greatness and start dressing like that person as opposed to someone handing it to you because it's never going to feel like you. Yeah, it's interesting you put it like that because I love what you say. There's a small step from that to how I talk about how as influential leaders, the way we show up, the way we talk, the way we hold ourselves, the way we enunciate, the way we share our thoughts and our ideas really impacts the way we have influence. And I would say that now knowing what I know and with this conversation, dressing, how you dress, is it's a part of that equation. I talk about it from like how you hold yourself, whether you're standing straight, how you sit on camera if it's on a Zoom meeting, or just, you know, how you speak. I've learned to lower my voice so I could do that like this. My voice is naturally quite high. But I know in certain situations, if I just lower my voice a little bit, until I really get to know somebody, people take me a little bit more seriously, which just means I have fewer hurdles. I have hurdles enough because I'm a woman and I'm just reducing those hurdles so they actually listen to what I have to say. And then once we've built a relationship, I don't need all those levers in the same way that perhaps I did before. Does that make sense to you? A billion percent. (laughs) Not a billion percent, a billion percent. And that is what the biggest switch that my clients have when they work with me is, is going from fighting it. Like literally they are, even when we first start the work, they are like, I'm kind of angry I'm getting on this call Mm. with you and they're all of that. But all it takes is them walking into one meeting and them either seeing someone taking them more seriously or just someone saying something, like someone that they would never, that would never 
get their, they would never get their buy-in all of a sudden is like listening to them and cheering them on. It is that, like you said, it's taking away those hurdles because what, how we show up, we don't think that we have control over thoughts, people's thoughts. And we feel that clothes are this like fairy tale thing because that's what the clothing industry wants you to think is that something you're never going to figure out. So you'll just keep buying and buying and buying more Mm. stuff. But when you actually take the reins back and take back control, you get to control how you show up, what people think about you, and then also the the feelings and the emotions that you're bringing out of people because clothes also can send the idea of friend or foe. This person's approachable and warm and I want to be around her or like, eh, she's a little standoffish. I'm a little intimidated by her. And there's a time and a place for both of those situations. So it's really about you know, taking away those hurdles. And just besides the the clothes, it's also the way that you're showing up and with the authority that you have because you are not in the back of your head regretting your clothing choice. We don't realize how many times we are not playing full out because we are second guessing something that we have on our body. Yeah, 100%. And actually that reminds me of the double standards again that we have as women because one of the things I see is that men do have this a lot easier than we do, right? Mm -hmm. First of all, it's totally acceptable for men to wear the same thing several days in a row. They started from their careers and jeans and t-shirts. Like we can get away with jeans and t-shirts too early in our careers potentially, but there's still more kind of judgment on us and what we're wearing. Um, As men continue through their careers, you know, they move up to shirts and smart pants and maybe shoes. You get to a certain point and you move to suits and nice shirts and maybe a tie and it's just like this recipe they get to follow the hardest bit about my husband's wardrobe is the colors whether they suit him or not (laughs) and it was actually realizing we were spending all this money on really nice shirts for my husband and getting him a tailored suit and I was like wait hold on why am I not spending that on me in fact he had to point that out to me that I wasn't spending money on my wardrobe his is simpler to create And yet I was far more comfortable spending money on his wardrobe because it's a recipe that makes sense to me. It's not what we're expecting. And I don't spend that on myself. Do you think that's part of what's going on here for us as women? It's just confusing. Mm -hmm. It's two things. So the one thing that men get that women don't get is that everything gets to be custom. You can get a custom shirt for $49. Like it's, you can get it at any price point. Um, And women's custom clothes and suits are kind of dowdy. Like no one has, the people have tried, but they just can't do it because what they keep doing is they keep taking a men's suit and they're kind of putting a little bit more curves in it. Like, <laughs> so they're doing that. So it just is so much easier for a man to just get everything custom made. Where women, there's that like, oh, the hypocrisy of the size on a tag. Like you're going to each store and you're completely different size. So then mm-hmm. you start getting into your head that there's something wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. There's something wrong with the sizing of clothes. There's no standards. But the thing, the first thing is we need to realize is that as women, we can tailor our clothes. It's really, really simple. You just need to know how to tailor it. And then the second thing is that the reason why it feels like it's okay for a man to invest in their wardrobe is because they know how they're going to wear it. They know it's mix and match. It feels like it's part of something. Whereas women, the way that we are always shown clothes is one-off piece, one-off piece, one-off piece. And that is my favorite thing to do with clients. And this is what we do in both of my programs. We give you a roadmap. Like you get to Mm -hmm. figure out what you're wearing. So every single piece of clothes in your closet 
has a purpose. So it's not like you're randomly going to a store and just buying something that you don't know what you're going to do with it because that feels like a waste of money when you, because how many times have you bought something and it still has a tag on it? Or how many times have you bought something and you like have donated it? So what we do is we start making it purposeful so it all feels like it's part of a greater thing as opposed to you just randomly trial and error because we don't like trial and error with anything in our life. Well, let's talk about some concrete steps people can take. For a woman who is looking to advance her professional goals by looking at her closet rather than all the other stuff I talk about in this podcast, like how you interview, how you speak, all that kind of stuff. If instead we take a step back and we say, let's look at your closet as a tool in your toolkit for advancing your career, what are the five steps that somebody could take to get started? A lot of them probably aren't different from the tools that you share with your clients. Because <laughs> the number <laughs> one thing we need to do is to get rid of all the things that are no longer serving you. Because mm-hmm. as women, we like to hold on to clothes for way too long, different parts of our lifestyle, different sizes. And those actually confuse us and they lead to overwhelm. So the first thing is that if something's no longer serving you or you don't like, you don't need to keep it in your closet. Like let's say you're on a weight loss journey. I'm not saying you need to get rid of it, but you should just not be really removing, you know, you should not be looking at it every single day of your life. So that's the first thing. So you really want to figure out what's not serving you. The second thing is to really look at how you shopped and how you got dressed when you were younger. That's one thing that a lot of the women that I work with don't ever think about. Like it all has to go back to, I'm a trained neuro coach, but it all goes back to a lot of the ways that we show up and lots of our thoughts come from our eight-year-old self. Before we were able, we didn't form our prefrontal cortex and we're able to make a decision that what my mom does is not maybe the right thing to be doing. But just, and this is not to go put you in five years of therapy. It's just to be like, huh, are some of the things that I'm doing may not be the things that I want to be doing. So just kind of look at the way that you shopped and the way that you got dressed when you were growing up. So that's really, you know, another thing is to just kind of look at that. Another thing also is to realize that you get to decide how you show up. And really one of the one of the things I do with my clients is kind of do this, um, create this alter ego. It's like play a little game of in five years and I am standing on a stage, whatever, you know, fill in the blank of whatever your big goal is. How's that person dressing? Like, and if it doesn't feel aligned with how you're dressing right now, you have a little bit of work to do. So just realizing where the gaps are, because that's what all of this is. Everyone feels like, we all see the makeover shows, what not to wear, you know, and it all feels expensive. It doesn't have to be. It's just finding what are the few ways. Um, another thing also is to to wear color. As women in male-dominated fields, what got us to um, the level of success we have now, a lot of it is probably blending in, lowering your voice, yes. like you said, and doing all the right things that got you here but it's not getting to you to where you want to go. So, you know, what are the few things that you can do to really stand out as you? Because what's going to differentiate you from everyone else, good old boys club, is you being you, because that's why you have your job. So maybe it's incorporating a color is really, really powerful. And then the fifth thing is, I really think that you, if this is something that you feel is hard, it doesn't have to be. Like it, because the, the retail industry 
is come 2025 is going to be like a trillion dollar a year industry. So just realize that ultimately everyone's trying to sell you something. So if you can just figure out what makes you feel good and what makes you feel confident, you stop being like a shopper and a consumer and you start being someone who is more about creating their, how they're showing up and creating the conversation. So it's really about taking back control as opposed to just keep buying and buying and buying and buying, which feels overwhelming. Wow. So much you said, you're right. It's very similar to what I would say. The key thing that really resonated with me is what I say a lot of the time, what what got you here is not going to get you there. And I think as women, we don't realize that so much of how we operate is blending in to a male dominated field, like just not trying to stand out too much and not to be too different and getting along, which is part of the damage I actually spend a lot of my coaching undoing is that indoctrination to be something you're not because you've tried to fit in but you're spot on, that does not get you to the next step. So I find it fascinating that applies as much to your wardrobe as it does to everything else I talk about, which makes us great leaders. Okay, let's move on to a quick fire round, but I'm going to start with a slightly different question than I normally do with a quick fire round, which is what is the number one piece of advice that you would give a woman in tech considering her next leadership career move? I would get rid of all of the stuff that's holding you back in your closet immediately because you don't realize that each day, like, we start our day more or less getting dressed and you could start off, you know, bad thoughts, bad memories, all of the things. Just get it out of your closet. You don't realize how much emotional weight it has. Yes. <laughs> that was one of the things that my stylist made me do this year. Um, I emptied my wardrobe and literally got rid of everything in there. I had stuff that was just torn and raggedy and there was so much emotional baggage that went with it all. It's really, really empowering. A little bit scary, I will admit, but it's very empowering. Mm -hmm. What is the number one piece of advice you've ever been given? Be me. It's the thing that I kind of fight all the time. And it's interesting. I um, have had a lot of growth. I know that we chatted about this offline on TikTok in the past week. I now have 20,000 followers and it was 500 less than a week ago. Wow. And the key to that and the key to influence on LinkedIn or just even with my clients is I work with some of the smartest, most powerful women in the world. And I found myself playing small and dressing how I thought that they think I should dress. And it wasn't until I started wearing like crazy stuff, not super, super crazy, but stuff that like felt very colorful and out there and extravagant that they were not like, oh, I want you to dress me like you, but I want a little bit more of that. And you're giving me permission to be me. So I know with so many of my coaches, we all kind of go and we're like, can you just give me that special sauce? Like if someone told us to go stand on our head for five minutes, we would go figure out how to do it if that was the answer. But a lot of it is just kind of looking inside of us and figuring out what the right next step is as opposed to just wasting so much time and energy keep asking other people what to do. Oh, wow. It's such a powerful one. Just be me. We'll be ourselves. It's beautiful. What is the worst piece of advice you've ever been given? I love this question. Uncover so the much. opposite. <laughs> <laughs> so I worked with a coach um, to help me grow, like I guess, like on communications and... I was working and I do work with a lot of huge law firms and I was on LinkedIn once and it was 
for Valentine's Day and I wrote something about how to look sexy because that is one of the things that my clients struggle with is how to get dressed for a date. Like it's like how to actually be them, be a little bit more flirtatious. And I wrote how to get your get your sexy back. I took Justin Timberlake's line as something and she called me and told me to take it down that my the people that I work with would be offended and that I would never get hired by a law firm if wow. um if I wrote that. Can I tell you? Like I've since I've been being me on LinkedIn, the world's biggest law firms have come to me and said, Can you come speak to our people? Just because it's really about, you know, people work with people. Like people don't mm. want to work with robots. Like <laughs> you could go work with a robot any day of the week. We talk to them all day long. But it's really about learning how to be you and stop worrying so much about saying the wrong thing. Like you don't want to work with that client. You don't want to work in that company if they are just waiting for you to do something wrong. So they can oh, tell you you need to stop. Yeah, hundred. I always think we should show up as the best authentic version of ourselves. Mm-hmm. That means polishing who you are, but not getting rid of who you are because you're spot on. Otherwise, we'll end up working somewhere where we don't actually fit. And mm-hmm. they're just waiting to find out what's wrong with us. And that's not good for anybody. Mm-hmm. So, oh. Same thing with our clothes. Like my job is to just like take what's you and just like polish it up a little bit as opposed to be like, hey, why don't you go wear this penguin suit so you can be taken <laughs> seriously? <laughs> funny you say that my coach has a unicorn costume because she talks about unicorns all the time love that (laughs) every now and then the unicorn costume comes out as a little bit of a joke okay what is the last book you read i'm still reading it ask and it is given it's an abraham hicks book because it always comes back to our thoughts and our feelings about how we see ourselves it's so interesting. Um, so one of the things that happened on TikTok is so many women are saying, I hate my stomach. I hate my this. I hate my, like, ever, like really picking themselves apart. And so how do I dress? And one of the biggest ahas a lot of my clients get when working together is, I'm so, I have been so hyper-focused about what I don't like, but when I getting dressed is all about is dressing my whole body as opposed to being hyper-focused on what I don't like, because it, when you focus on that, we actually end up drawing more attention to it as opposed to learning how to balance and proportion and draw attention other ways, other ways. And it's the same thing with every single thing in life. If you are looking for the negative, you will find it. But if you are looking for opportunity, it is just waiting for you to be, to be experiencing it. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that. What is the last movie or TV show that you watched? I'm watching, um, what is it? The new Game of Thrones, the HBO, like the old, the queen. I don't remember what it's called, but whatever it is, it's it's getting a little dicey and juicy in there. It's a lot of incestual head being chopped off. So it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> I must be like the only person on this planet that's not watched Game of Thrones because I watched the first episode and I was just like, there's too much violence against women. And apparently it got better after that, but I just never went, I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> It's. I think a lot of it, what's so interesting is that the women really are the decision makers, even if they aren't in power. Um, so it's it's interesting to watch that, but there is a lot of violence. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, next question, which is all about mindset. What is your favorite mindset tip to help women in a male-dominated field? Um, it really has to do with really figuring out, again, what works for you. Like, I think so much 
of being a woman in male dominant field is cutting parts of yourself off. Like literally, and I understand it. Like for the first 10 years of your career, there's probably something about yourself that you've had to either not share or try to blend in. And it really, the the growth that I've seen in so many of my clients is when they wore the pink suit or wore the floral or really stood out as them. Because what differentiates women from men, a lot of it is emotional intelligence. A lot of it is the sensitive things. A lot of it is the softer skills. So being able to play that up is super, super powerful. So just stop cutting parts of yourself off to fit in. A hundred percent. Oh my goodness. This has been an amazing conversation. One that when I first met you, I was like, is this a conversation my audience should have? And I'm really glad we've done this because I wish I'd had this conversation five years ago. I wish I had had the confidence to address how I looked and not just dismiss it as my, the feminist in me going, I don't know why that matters versus the woman in me going, I want to care about it, but I'm not sure how, because I don't like my body. I think I took up so much space in my own head, having that argument without realizing, you know what, I can just deal with this and then use it as a tool to advance. Um, so just thank you from the bottom of my heart for coming on the show and sharing your words of wisdom today because I wish I'd met you five years ago. My pleasure. Oh, this is my, it's, it's my goal in life. My like, my big, you know, people are like, what are your big audacious dreams? And it is to go and teach 13-year-old girls how to get dressed because ugh, all of the things we are shown and all of the, whether it's through bad habits from our parents or aunts or all of that stuff or just negative self-talk or mean things other kids say to us. Like when you learn to, to get dressed with confidence, you get to let all the other rubbish go. So that's where I just, I my, my big dream, I'm putting it out there in the universe right now, um, is to have a charity that just teaches 13-year-old girls how to get dressed because it, it's where it starts, unfortunately. It starts that young and it molds yeah. and it just continues and it continues about how we show up. Well, on that note, if people have been inspired by this conversation, how can people connect with you, find out more about what you do, and generally work with you in some way? Absolutely. So I, in the show notes, there's going to be um, a free five-day clothing extravaganza, which will give you five steps to simply start thinking about your wardrobe from a place of control as opposed to a place of overwhelm. And it's just using the clothes in your closet. So it's not like you have to go and spend any extra money. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn on TikTok as well, apparently. Um, <laughs> and then um, I work with my clients in two different ways. One is a five-week um, program will we'll just will give you all the skills to learn how to get dressed from a place of confidence and knowing it's personalized. That's the really interesting thing is all of our bodies are different. So we need to know our own personal information as opposed to going to the internet and reading everyone else's information. Or I have a six-month group program, which is the whole entire transformation, which will take you from redoing your closet, redoing your mindset, um, and deciding how you want to show up, defining that, using the clothes in your closet, shopping for new clothes, and then just really embodying your next level self. Because even if you have the most amazing wardrobe hanging in your closet, you also need to be the person who deserves to wear it. So those are the two ways I also work with clients. Thank you for sharing. Like I said, this has been an amazing conversation. So have you any final thoughts to share or maybe your number one takeaway from today? Just know that this is important. Like if you were standing in front of your closet and it is you're beating yourself up because you don't know what to put on that day, you're not alone. 
And that's what I think so many women think is that they they sort of are beating themselves up for even caring about getting dressed. But just know that there is there isn't a priority in doing this. And the fact that you're thinking about it does not make you vain. Does that make you less of a person? It is something, like you said, another tool in your toolbox that is worth um, investigating. Actually, is a beautiful way to wrap up because my final statement every week is about how unique we are. And part of our uniqueness is how we dress and how we want to dress and how we want to be. So without further ado, let's wrap this one up. Remember, listeners, stay on your tech leadership game, follow your dreams, because the world really does need that uniqueness that you bring as a leading woman in tech. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, check out how to get more of my help and some free resources. It's where I take what I talk about in this podcast and really help you apply it. Hop on over to tonycollis.com and check out Work With Tony and free resources in the menu bar. Until next time, this was Tony Collis on the Leading Woman in Tech podcast.